0: I am Citizen 44.
1: Birthday show! It's the birthday show! Happy birthday! Yay! It's the birthday show! Yeah!
0: What's happening Zozo? Not a whole lot.
2: Didn't you just have a birthday?
0: I did. I'm now 18 years and three days old.
2: When was your birthday? On what date?
0: November 7th.
2: The 7th? Yeah. That was on Wednesday. It's a good day. It was a good day. I had a lot of fun that day. What did we do that day?
0: Well, you played God Save the Queen.
2: I did find God Save the Queen, and as you entered the kitchen that morning, we did play that for you.
0: Yeah, that was fun. And then I saw my friends at lunch, and then you and I went shopping in Medford.
2: What did we do there?
0: Well, we went to Target, and I got some sweaters. I'm wearing one of them right now.
2: Super pretty. It's pretty
0: great. Then we went to Ross, and you got some shirts.
2: I did. Three t-shirts.
0: In the young man's section. Because I'm young at heart, yeah. There's no, like, normal man's section there. I was looking. It's just young men's.
2: What are old guy shirts look like?
0: I don't know, but does an 80-year-old man want, like, a surf t-shirt? Does he really? I don't know.
2: So what's up with 18? How's that going?
0: It's okay. It feels similar to 17. Except? Except that I'm 18. (laughs)
2: Look, we still got all the streamers and balloons up from your party.
0: We do, yeah. They've held up well.
2: Well, we've decided. I, okay, I've decided. <laughs> Let's not take them down until they come down on their own. Yeah. And they are doing quite well. The balloons have barely deflated. Nothing's falling down. No. Very impressive. Okay, so we just came back from birthday shopping for your mother. Yeah. And I got her three little ceramic Santa Clauses from stop and fart, I mean shop and cart. Mm -hmm. And what did you get her?
0: I got her a calendar with fairy houses on it and then some chocolate and uh, some soap.
2: What else did we do? Oh, there was a little dinner thing with the family. Wednesday for your birthday. Yeah, Wednesday,
0: yes, Greenleaf.
2: How was that for you?
0: Fun, I like Greenleaf. It's one of my favorite food places.
2: And what is the meal of choice for you there?
0: I love a good bowl of fettuccine Alfredo.
2: You are an Alfredo lady, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. That's my jam.
2: I had a tofu burger. It was very tasty. It was just a big slab of tofu on a bun, pretty much. (laughs) But it was very good. I like it. It was good. Oh, you've eaten that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you gave me the thumbs up on my choice.
0: I go there a lot.
2: Yeah. You're a senior in high school now. We just Mm -hmm. finished preparing your senior pictures, which we took at Crater Lake, which was super fun. Super cool. Tell them about how we came home and thought we had nothing.
0: Okay, so we came home after like a full day of taking pictures and going up and down from Crater Lake. And we looked at them on the computer and we were like, oh crap. Because half the pictures we took were on like a shitty camera lens or something.
2: You could say that.
0: Yeah, so they look like they were taken in a backdrop at the mall of a lake instead of an actual lake. And then the other ones seem to be messed up because my glasses on one side are broken and were slightly askew. And it was very disappointing.
2: You were literally upset about the whole I, scene, I weren't you? I was
0: not pleased. Yeah.
2: I think you crawled into an embryonic ball in bed and said goodbye to the world. (laughs) I was
0: just like, no.
2: Your mom's like, oh my God, we've got big problems. There goes (laughs) her self-esteem in the toilet. Everything's terrible. So we had agreed to reschedule a trip and go back to Crater Lake and get those pictures. But the Saturday we were going to go, which was yesterday, it was going to be raining. And then I said, hey, why don't we take another look at those pictures and see if they are what we think they are. Yeah. And what happened?
0: They were great. A lot of them. Like a good 20 or so. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good.
2: And we've got the Wonder Woman lead shot. (laughs) And what did we name that? Because we had fun naming pictures.
0: That one was winner winner tofu dinner.
2: That's right. That's the winner. That's the senior pick that's been sent off now, uploaded. It's off the plate. We're done. Yee. Yeah. And by the way, we've had well over 100 likes on your picture on Facebook.
0: Wow. Basically halfway to viral. It's halfway to
2: viral. (laughs) Essentially. People made very nice comments like you look very confident, intelligent, beautiful, and other words that describe what people think about the picture.
0: And I live with
2: you guys now. What's that like?
0: It's good. You make food, which is nice.
2: Yeah. I think your mom appreciates the whole food preparation yeah, part of it. she's not my... a big
0: food prep person.
2: Yeah. And she likes the food that I cook.
0: It's true. Mm-hmm. What's
2: your favorite thing that I've made thus far?
0: I really like that weird mix of stuff you made around yeah. Halloween.
2: Yeah. That was
0: the total mess of leftovers. That was so good.
2: We are now into this cooking thing where we use the iron skillet mm-hmm. and we preheat that for like 30 minutes. And uh, you put anything in it and it's delicious. It doesn't matter what you put in it, to be honest. The baby's arm would be really (laughs) good in there. So, okay, so we won't do the baby's arm (laughs) because there's no babies real close
0: to us. But if there were actually our neighbors. Oh, they just had a baby. I wonder if they'd loan us an arm. That is horrifying. Oh, maybe. Okay. It looks
2: like the brain out of a giant (laughs) bear. Does it not look like a brain out of a giant bear?
0: big cauliflower. It's
2: a giant cauliflower. We just bought it from Shop and Cart. Lucky Doug was here and pre-evening birthday celebrated with you.
0: Yeah, that was really fun. Doug is a generous human.
2: (laughs) He is. He was very generous. He gave you a hundred bucks and a nice card. and, And we had a little meal together and some dessert. It was super fun. And you know what we forgot to get at the store?
0: Ice cream. Damn it. Rick.
2: Ben and Jerry's makes a dairy-free peanut butter and dark chocolate chunk, mm. and it's off the rails. So tomorrow, you're going with your buddies where?
0: Green Springs for a night in a cabin.
2: And who's all going?
0: Me, Athena, Addie, and Olivia.
2: The four musketeers. That'll be fun. And you're driving a lot now. Mm-hmm. And you're driving me a lot now, which is the best Jerry. <laughs> We went to the movies again, and what did we see the other day?
0: Bohemian Rhapsody.
2: How was that for you?
0: I liked it a lot. We've seen a lot of biopics lately, and that was one of my favorites.
2: I agree with you. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. And again, I was brought to absolute (laughs) tears beyond control. Yep. I think the last four or five times that you and I have gone to the movies. Five straight movies. Five straight movies. What movies are those?
0: The one about the father, veteran, and the daughter in the woods.
2: Yeah, that are trying to stay off the grid.
0: Yes. That
2: was a beautiful movie.
0: Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, yeah, that made me cry in the end. (laughs) It was a beautiful wedding. (laughs) (laughs) It was so beautiful. (laughs) The tower and the fireworks. What else?
2: Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth
0: Bader Ginsburg.
2: Why did I cry in that? over a little Jewish lady.
0: I don't know, but you did.
2: And then we also saw Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which I think (laughs) I cried from the opening credits to the closing credits. Yes. So we've caught some seriously good movies. Do you remember Gary Lundgren? He did Black Road and we went to the film Mm -hmm. set. Remember Sam Daly?
0: Yeah, like he was on The Office.
2: He was the gay warehouse worker. Yes. Anyway, so you met Gary and you got to see a little movie-making magic. Gary is the main guest on the show today. Gary, and who I've known for many years, shared office space with him, have done a lot of graphic design for him, and he's just a really great guy. And his daughter, Flannery, super sweet, eight or nine years old now. And then his wife, Annie, very nice. The adorable little family. He looks a little like he could be Batman. He sounds a little like Batman. So he's on the show, and then Melissa Scudder, you don't know her, very nice lady. She's on the show. and rich reese is on the show he just yeah richie rich 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 it's good to see you zoe happy birthday to you it's a big one it's a transitional thing your mom's birthday is on this day of airing of this show
0: happy birthday val
2: happy birthday val
0: (laughs) slash mom
2: i love you zoe
0: love you dad okay see
2: ya, sailor okay okay bye you too happy birthday mom and zoe woo Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 59. On today's show we have Gary Lundgren, filmmaker, director, writer, producer, great guy. It's been a long time coming trying to get him in here but now he's got something to talk about with his new movie, Phoenix, Oregon, which uh, wrapped up not too long ago and is now in the editing phase. We also have new friend, Melissa Scudder, super nice lady, here to help humans feel better about themselves. We also have Rich Reese checking in. We got my daughter Zoe, as you heard. So let's get right to it. Hey, Gary Lundgren. Mark,
3: how are you?
2: I'm good, man.
3: It's great to be here.
2: It's great to finally have you here, Gary. So what is the thing you just did? What number movie is this? Number four. How'd that go?
3: It was a great experience. It was uh, a long time coming. These movies are hard to get made. Anything big is always a marathon. We spent a year trying to get it financed, and finally it came together. Did you do what you did last time? No. Black Rip was a wonderful experience, but we knew that that film was a particular kind of model we were trying to do, where it was equity Everyone owned a piece of it, and we spent as little money as possible on it. It's hard to make that happen because everyone is taking a month off. And so this time around, we had a little more money. We had some investors. So uh, there was no crowdfunding involved. It was all just a straight film. It must have been much easier for Annie. It was. You know, when you have enough resources, not that we did we didn't really have enough resources but we did have enough to execute and yeah so annie produced the film with louis rodriguez and we shot in klamath falls the film's called phoenix oregon it'll be out next year
2: and phoenix oregon is an actual place two towns to the north of us yeah when we moved to
3: ashland and i don't know if you felt this it was odd that there was a town called phoenix oregon and i think when you live here long enough it doesn't seem odd anymore phoenix oregon that's the title of the movie it's about two guys that open a bowling alley in a small town it's sort of a midlife crisis comedy drama it has to be both happy and sad are and you projecting by the way
2: a little bit okay. yeah yeah did you ever run a, a bowling alley a... no but you're you... a lebowski fan though aren't i'm you? a huge lebowski okay. fan okay is there a little something underlying there
3: there is something about the nostalgia of bowling that i like and you'll have to see the movie where hopefully this explores a few aspects of i don't know bowling alleys are falling apart all over the country a lot of them are closing it's the sport that if you can call it a sport i don't know
2: there's people who would rip your head off right down your neck if you said it wasn't
3: Yeah, so we deal with that a little bit in the film. The worth of bowling and why it's important.
2: Was there an important issue?
3: (laughs) 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 I think it becomes a metaphor for a lot of things that are gradually disappearing, you know? There's a line in the film where one of the characters refers to it as a sport for the 99%. You don't have to be a good athlete necessarily. You don't have to be in great shape. You could be any age. Part of the thing that we explored is there is the sense of it's a big piece of real estate. It's also expensive upkeep, the lanes, the equipment, and to make it relevant to younger people, there's sort of a foodie retro element that's creeping in.
2: You know, we got a couple of bowling alleys right here within 10 miles of us.
3: Yeah, Laugh Lanes and uh, Roxanne. We were
2: hoping to shoot there. What happened?
3: uh, it would have been too expensive. Also, we were looking for sort of a retro bowling alley. They walk into the bowling alley early in the movie, and we trashed it, you know, and it it just looks like it had been closed for months, which is part of the story that they clean it up. It's so like it couldn't have that modern flair. So we found um, Hand Scams bowling alley. Hand Scams? Yeah, in Klamath Falls. Barry Hanscom. He's a lovely person. He literally grew up in that bowling alley. He was there when he was five. His parents owned it. He's an older man, still running the bowling alley, and he just welcomed us with open arms, let us close it, and uh, we just basically took over the place for 10 days. It was great. I think making a film, you need sort of a, a series of good fortunes to hit you in all different forms, whether it's actors or money or locations or support. So we're grateful that number four got made. And you
2: didn't have to go too far.
3: We looked all over Oregon, so that was the one that jumped out at us. Most of it is about them quitting their jobs, finding an investor, getting the recipes for the food that's going in the bowling alley, cleaning it up, fixing the broken equipment, sort of a ragtag team of small town people coming together to make this dream happen. It's a lot like making a movie, actually. It's the metaphor for it, that these guys are putting all these things together to make their dream happen. So you're kind of mirroring yourself. I think so. You know, art should do that. I think, you know, you kind of explore the different sides to your personality in a movie. And I think all the characters kind of represent me in different ways. You know, Jesse Barrego plays Carlos. I mean, Jesse Borrego is a wonderful actor and just a bright light of a person. You know, like if he walks into a room, everyone just gravitates to him and he's always positive. So he brought this sort of energy to Carlos of pulling this thing off, which you need, you know, you need that part of your personality. If you're trying to do something, you need to sort of tap into that optimist, that idealist, that person that's gonna make this thing happen. But then there's the other side, the fear, the doubter, all those other things that creep into trying to accomplish something is, represented by other characters and other elements in the story. So yeah, I'm excited. You always say the most recent film you make is your favorite. And in this case, I think it is. I feel like I'm getting to tell a story that I want to tell, and I'm doing it the way I want to. Making small movies allows you that luxury where you work with who you want to work with. You put a team together that all sort of pulls in the same direction. It's a very collaborative process making a movie. There are producers, there's the money part of it, there's what the actors bring to it, wardrobe, production design, art direction. All these things have to kind of come together and line up in a way that makes the film what it is. With that said, the script and the direction and the story you're telling, that leads the way. My wife is producer. She makes everything happen. Cinematographer Patrick Canary, he shot all my movies. He makes them look good. He brings a visual aesthetic that I can't do myself. You know, it goes down the line. All the crew people I could name from sound to music to production design. All these people I've worked with over and over again. That makes it easier to sort of get the band back together. And it's always a fun process. And uh, get to play the game and then it ends and then it's over. You're so immersed in the minutiae of the project, that once the finish line starts coming at you, you know, it's bittersweet, for sure. You have to have that gratitude after you finish something. I'm excited to push it out into the world. You work so hard on these movies, years of work, and they're done and you move on, but they're always there. You can always look back at them. But it's ending, like anything
2: they're like your kids and you hope everybody likes them i hope you like my son i did the best i could with him (laughs) (laughs)
3: exactly i think that's the part of it that you know i think people who look at movie making from the outside think that must be the fun part but that's more just it is what it is I never understood that Woody Allen always said he never watched a movie after he finished it. Like once he finished, he wouldn't watch them again. I always thought that was weird, but now I get it. He
2: doesn't it. want it to end. It doesn't end if the movie's never completed. Exactly.
3: It's over. You once you're done with I, it. I, yeah.
2: I must hate the rap parties. I mean, that's bittersweet too. Right, right.
3: Looking back, I'm thankful that we are persistent. There's many times where you have a script and you have a dream to make something and for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. You know, you can't pull it together and you try to force it to happen and it doesn't work. And, uh, you know, we tried to make this movie last summer and all the elements are coming together and it just didn't land. So for a variety of reasons, we couldn't shoot it. Even though we had the locations, momentum, we had some investors, we just couldn't pull it off. You have to trust the process, you know, you have to push but not push too hard.
2: Yep, that's how I feel about (laughs) doing this.
3: Fifty two shows in a year? Fifty-three. That's quite an accomplishment in itself, Mark. Maybe. I don't know. I think it is. I know how hard it is to just to make something.
0: (laughs) I'm not making any money, so I have a little extra time to make a show every
2: week. Right.
3: Even so. You're putting the time in.
2: I am. Yeah.
3: On this last film, we worked with some journeyman actors who have been acting in movies for 20, 30 years. And man, they can show up and in those moments hit these real human moments, even with all the chaos going on. And sometimes even on set, I may not completely know, but when you get in the edit room and you're zeroed in on that intimate space around their head and see the look in their eyes and how they say their lines, and you realize man these guys are good
2: yeah that's why you got them
3: yeah what's been cool about editing this movie is in editing any movie all the chaos is on the cutting room floor it's when that slate
2: hits until we say
3: cut that's all i'm looking at so you know even after doing this for so long it's quite spectacular to get to do it
2: where are you in the editing
3: now We have one cut of the movie is done. I'm very excited about it. There's still a lot of work to do, but I think the running time's a little long right now. We still have to do all the music, all the sound design, all the visual effects, and uh, it's still gonna be a couple months of work, but we're at a really good place to start working from where the full cut is working really well. So now it's just, how do we make it as great as possible, you know? Can't wait to see what you did. I can't wait for you to see it too. It'll be fun to share this one. We had some great actors on like Kevin Corrigan was on this film. I get starstruck sometimes around certain actors. Kevin, I was totally starstruck because I, I love this guy. I mean, he was in Buffalo 66. He was in Goodfellas. He played Ray Liotta's his little brother in Goodfellas. So I've been watching this guy my whole life. He's in Pineapple Express who's in a Hal Hartley movie called Henry Fool. Just a guy that I think is a terrific actor. He's got the Brooklyn thing going, but he's very human and has a sweetness and a tenderness to him and he's just funny. Like the dude is just a funny guy. Like you can just film him standing there and it's funny. But we gave him a pretty funny part and he plays this sort of ridiculous guy who comes in to fix the equipment at the bowling alley so it's funny and and uh, i always pictured someone sort of east coast and kind of cocky kind of obnoxious who could still be funny and so he was just sort of a dream to walk into that part i was like oh man james legros plays bobby he's been in dozens and dozens of movies terrific actor wonderful person lisa edelstein who's got two shows on netflix now Again, just talented people who came out to Klamath Falls to do a tiny, low-budget movie for no money. So I'm forever grateful. Well, it says a lot about your script. For sure, the script had to speak to them. It had to be parts that they were willing to play. Oh, Diedrich Bader, another funny actor, great actor, came out to play a part for three days. Ronaldo Gallegos, another guy. He's acting in these big time movies with Sylvester Stallone and big action movies, he came out to play a little part.
2: When you got good assets to work with, it just works.
3: I think so. You know, you have to kind of put the car on the road and go. And I think it's like anything in life. If you want to do something, you have to take the risks of trying to do it and risk failing and risk being a fool and risk it not working out. But usually if your heart's in the right place and you put good people around you, usually you get there. And I think that's the story of this movie, actually. These two guys that are stuck, really stuck. In their routines, their patterns, their lives they don't like. And they step out of it to try to make something happen, even something as ridiculous as
2: opening a bowling alley.
3: Or making a movie. Or making a movie. I'm um,
2: married for as long as you have been, and being together and being one of the last people that I know of in this town that are still married. You
3: know, Annie and I are lucky. I know sometimes people talk about that to us, but we got married young and it's worked and we're both very happy.
2: You have a beautiful daughter, a beautiful wife. You guys work together, so clearly there is an interesting bond that you guys have created. That's uh, very mutually respectful and loving.
3: Thank you. Well, we've had our our own challenges making it work. I think um, we both have different skill sets, and we're both very good at different things and we both love each other so it's made a great partnership i think if we were wearing a lot of the same hats i'm not sure it could work i think you have to overlap enough it's about having balance i mean how do we find balance it's a challenge every day for everyone i think yeah like i'll wake up in the morning and think well how do i live these two or three hours what do i want to do what should i do what can i do what do i have time to do not that I overthink it that much every day, but you only get so many hours each day and your life is what you do with them. And so I wrestle with that a lot. How do you balance your life so you have good relationships, satisfying work, and you feel good when you wake up and go to sleep at night, you know? And if you can do that more days each week, that's my goal, you know, cause not every day is great. You have your bad days. It's easy to look at your life and think you have to be one way as you live it, but that's just not the way it is. I think it's challenging if you have certain goals, and you know this, sometimes you have to do them even though you don't feel like it. It's hard to get your own home and your own office and your own little circle that you exist in to make that that empathetic, happy, empowering place. That's hard enough to make that happen. And I think that's what I spend most of my mind and time trying to do. But when I start thinking about bigger than that, like a city, a state, a country, that's when it's, it's hard to imagine a society that isn't totally dysfunctional.
2: Yeah. It's pretty sad and sick.
3: It is. Taking a big picture point of view on how we spend our time in our life is always hard for me because I'm so caught up in my little tiny, tiny world. I am pursuing my dream. I have been for a long time and I am accomplishing some things.
2: Your daughter is a product of seeing what you do and your wife too. And she is becoming this expansive teacher And bringing that into the world at a young age, which is proof of your consciousness.
3: Well, I appreciate that, Mark. Makes me want to get up and keep doing what I'm doing
2: then. I know your daughter is a driving force in you. She's the best.
3: She's teaching an acting camp for five to eight-year-olds next week.
2: That's unbelievable, man. It's all going to work out. Of course. We're all going to die. Who gives a shit anyway? (laughs) So are you from Southern California? Bay Area. Bay Area. Bay area. Where yeah. are in the Bay
3: area near San Francisco grew up there uh, San Mateo Foster City area yeah okay
2: what year did you arrive in Ashland no in the world
3: 1969 it was a good year I like yeah. the 60s I think about the 60s a lot What was that like growing up in the Bay Area? You know, coming to Ashland and the lack of diversity was a strange thing for me. Number one, casting. It's like we were trying to cast people and mostly white people would come to audition. And it was hard to have diverse casts here. But the Bay Area, man, I had friends from all over the world. Even as a kindergartner, I grew up in a very wonderful place, actually. I'm nostalgic for it. There wasn't traffic back then. There was lots of different people from different walks of life that I got to know growing up. And then going from San Francisco to LA wasn't much different. And what year did you go to LA? Uh, I was in Santa Barbara in 91, and then I was in LA in 94. What'd your dad do? He was a high school teacher. At your high school? No, no. He taught at a different high school in our district. Okay. He was a great chemistry teacher and I would often get cheers playing high school sports just because somehow they would connect that I was his son. How'd you do in school? I was a good student. It was funny. I came into high school very math, science, not so much the arts you know my dad was a chemistry teacher like i said so he would do science tricks she was a stay-at-home mom
2: was there other ones of you in the house two
3: older brothers so i was the baby i was the spoiled one we were all five years apart too so it was even more dramatic being the baby coming up and and yeah i got to high school and i got a d in english as a freshman and it was because i know i didn't like the class we were studying poetry i was kind of cynical about it I was into geometry and math, and it's you funny. A nerd. you know, I was a mix of a lot of things.
2: Oh, you were a jock, too. though,
3: I right? was a jock. I also was taking theater at the time, and I liked movies. but gradually, my ability in math and science started tanking, and my ability in the art started increasing. so by the time I was a senior, I got a d in math. <laughs> I had an English teacher, and I read some amazing books. Really, it came down to reading those books. Catcher in the Rye, The Invisible Man, Franny and Zoe, all of Salinger's books I got into, and then Flannery O'Connor. We named our daughter Flannery. It was just suddenly movies and books and plays as about a 17, 18-year-old. I remember telling my dad, because my brothers were eye doctors, And they were very, you know, science and wanted to go into medicine and, you know, go into a career where you had stability and do something to serve people in the medical world. And I wanted nothing to do with that. And I remember telling my dad that I was going to go to film school and there was a long pause. He's going to lecture me on why that's a bad idea. And then he said... And I'll never forget this. He said, everyone's got to follow their own star, Gary. I'm all for what you want to do. And I remember I got permission. I felt like I had permission to try to be a filmmaker. It was very liberating because I was thinking I was going to get pushed back.
2: That might have been the biggest I love you he ever gave you. It
3: was. It meant a lot to me because I know inside he probably had that lecture and he probably still questions, man, if Gary would have not chose this life, he might be in a different place, you know? And I would be. And, you know, who knows? it, It would be a different life. Who knows where it would have led if I would have chosen a more stable career. I don't have any regrets about what we've done. And, you know, sure, there are times here where... You wonder how we're gonna pay the bills next month. So that's a reality to making a living in the arts because that's what we're doing. It's a battle, you know, freelancing. I've learned a lot from it, just the trust that something's gonna show up. And it's funny too, because the riches are so, they're real, you know, that And I get to get up and work on my stuff. And there are times where we're making good money and then there's times we're making no money. It's both. So if you see the joys of that flexibility and take advantage of them, you can really, you know, can really live a, a great life and not need to be rich. In our film, that brings up something that where there's sequences about that very thing in the movie about what this person needs, because he's living in an Airstream trailer and all his worldly possessions are there. And I think a lot of artists feel that way, where how much do you need? Do I really need a storage unit with all that junk in it that I'm paying $50 a month for?
2: Good place to start looking.
3: I think so. It is. it is. That
2: was very liberating, the day that I eliminated that from my life. So what's up next? What do you got going
3: on? Well, we're gonna finish this movie Phoenix, Oregon start submitting to film festivals it'll come out next year and then uh, I've got a couple other movies I'm trying to get going I'm trying to get the bigger budget because then can work longer on the movies people make more money you can do more things so I have one bigger project fortunately it's the horror films that can get financing easier but I'm trying to do it my way and I'm not a big horror film fan but there's quite a few horror films I love they have something to say. They have characters you remember. They mean something in the world. And so I'm trying to do one. It's called Devil Creek and um, it's going to be set in Oregon. I would say it's somewhere between a movie like Deliverance and The Shining.
2: Ooh, sounds scary.
3: It should be scary, but have some meaning. And so hopefully we'll get financing for that one. That's something I think about every day when I go to the office
2: there's something you can leverage with the smoke by shooting in the summer it yeah, just occurred to me because i just thought of the movie the fog and mm. and how really kind of beautiful it looks as shitty as yeah, it is for yeah. us breathing it is an interesting character element that we can almost yeah. bank on every year unfortunately i wonder yeah i hope you're wrong about that i do too but but yeah it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be, seem to be going away there's more
3: denial. i hope we get a big winter that's all I'm hoping for right now. That got, would be really nice. Big, like
2: lots of snow. Lots and of snow. Big time cold. Big
3: snowpack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you ski? Annie and Flannery do. I don't. Batman doesn't ski? I dislocated my shoulder skiing. I've had two shoulder surgeries. Last one was major. I don't like flying down a mountain with my arms out.
2: Yeah, that seems a little vulnerable. I go to the lodge. I snowshoe. I film them. That's dangerous enough. It is. Are you on skis when you're filming them? Well, no, that's been hard
3: actually knowing where to go sometimes, but no, I'm not on skis. Okay. Snowshoes.
2: Okay. No, that's good.
3: Yeah. I figured, you know, there's so many things you can do. You don't have to do everything. You don't. You can do what you want and yeah. you can choose. Yeah. You know?
2: All right, Gary, much love to you.
3: Likewise. Thanks, man. Talk man. soon, man. Thanks, brother. Cheers. All right.
2: Melissa Scudder.
1: Yeah, like the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your family from? England, Germany. Where are your parents from? You mean in the US? Yeah. My mom is a New Yorker, and my dad was from this little town in Nebraska. So I was raised in Omaha, Nebraska. How'd they find each other? Through the Communist Party. (laughs) Yeah, it was really strange. At a meeting? Uh -uh. My father's twin sister was a part of the socialist movement. My mom had gone to University of Iowa and met my father's twin sister there through the socialist movement. Communism can work. It can. It brings people together. Right. Well, it's the idealism.
2: How about the one story that everybody could just buy into? Like the fact that we're all here. Right. And I can see you. Yeah. And we need each other.
1: It's love, compassion, finding the commonality and bridging the gap.
2: Yeah. We're trying to be individuals, which we already are. You don't have to do anything special to be special.
1: No. I mean, we're here.
2: It's done. The work was done. Now all you have to do is enjoy the company and the diversity and all the opportunities that are endless based on that cultural diversity.
1: That's right. We're missing
2: the boat, man. It's just a ship of fools, really.
1: Yeah, I think so. I love what you're saying because it's also teaching us to be in the moment. You know, I think sometimes we get so caught into what we want big picture and what we want in like our broad story that we forget to enjoy being here and being present. You and I have never met each other before, and I love you. We're here. We're connecting. We found it, and for us, it was probably really easy. But I can do it with anyone. I have two sisters. One's three years older than me, and she lives on the East Coast, and so her and I kind of just squeeze in conversation where we can and I have the best conversations with her after I've worked out and I'm just absolutely exhausted and all of a sudden all this stuff starts to flow out of my mouth crazy stuff comes up and we usually end the conversation laughing hysterically about nothing
2: yesterday was exceptional for me on a super high level and I know we had an eclipse yesterday yeah and there was so much phenomenal energy around me all day. So many unbelievable things happened yesterday. Right. So I've been checking in with people to see if it was just me and those particular individuals I was with or if other people had some things.
1: Yeah, I had this intense 24 hours around the whole thing that was intense in an incredible way. So the story is my boy is 18 and him and I had to go up to U of O for his orientation. And we both got wholly overwhelmed, you know, a lot of information, and both of us are kind of like, when we're done, we're done. So he was supposed to spend the night at the dorms, but I just let him come back to the hotel. The first thing is, is that for whatever reason, the hotel that we were staying at just upgraded my room. They put me on the third floor. The room number was 314, so that's an eight. So you got three, you got eight, you got an 11. And then I've got my boy, and... I've got a clear sky, and they put me in a room overlooking the Willamette River. So we walked for a couple miles to go find this restaurant. The restaurant was closed. We found this great fusion taco place. had a blast. And then got back to the hotel, and by the time we get back, we're both totally wiped out. So in this kind of lucid state, right before we both fall asleep, I'm able to talk to him about Conditional love and what that looks like and we kind of like cleared all of this crap that he'd been holding on to for a long time and um, I don't know how he's feeling for me to be able to say it to him out loud and it wasn't me that was talking it was the energy it was just this pure love so that happened and then the moon was there and the river was there and then the next day we had to go back again to this orientation that we were both getting freaked out about. Now, I don't do well having sugar in my body at all. I freak out. And because we were traveling, I didn't have my normal hot drinks in the morning. We're stopping at coffee places. And so by 11 o'clock, I am starting to panic. And right in the middle of it, I stop. And I have this full recognition that my body is having a cellular memory to being young in a traumatic, codependent household, you know, sadomasochistic, whatever. And on a cellular level, when I eat sugar, I believe that I am in the middle of a trauma and I freak out. I I couldn't believe it. It was this actual understanding of why. Usually just tell people I can't eat sugar because I just get really depressed. And so I was able to talk to my body and really reassure it that there was no crisis. It was like I could feel my cells calm. I felt like it was the beginning step. And then I stopped at the Umpqua River on the way home, and we were right where Myrtle Creek goes into the Umpqua. And it was, again, just this whole visualization of kind of what was happening in my life at that moment. And then being there with my son, who's about ready to transition into manhood, really move on his way in his own course. I had ceremony with him, with him rolling his eyes at me the whole time, you know? But I mean, it was amazing. And then I could kind of feel that that period of darkness with the moon and both Mercury and Mars being in retrograde kind of hit like this massive reset button. Like everything went into complete stasis for a while. And then it like bumped forward. And it was really intense. It was so great. The thing is, is that we really have to understand the importance of our consciousness because consciousness is the most valuable commodity on the planet. And if you can control other people's consciousness, that's how tyranny rules. That's how our government gets the control that it does. That's how we get the president and that we get. Social media is both a blessing and a curse and it's a massive weapon of destruction if used incorrectly. And that's why I love where there's so much happening around mindfulness and compassion, self-love, and it's everywhere. So I'm kind of excited about where things are and where we're headed right now. I feel really excited.
2: All right, so here, I'm going to do a little experiment with you. This came directly from the Eckhart Tolle book, okay. The Power of Now. I want you to think about your right hand. Okay. When you feel something in your right hand, raise your left hand. Think about your left foot when you feel something in your left foot raise your right hand what did you just do effortlessly you moved your energy at will right you did something so miraculous that is part of our self-evident power that nobody's showing anybody so if it takes 10 to 15,000 hours to become genius level at something and you're a little kid and i show that to you and you practice that every day What does this world look like? Can you imagine? If we start working with the power that we possess, we become closer to the thing we call source, which reveals how much we really are that.
1: Right. I believe that I've got a lot of energetic stuff around me, and I believe that everybody else does. I feel so sacrilegious somehow saying this, but I don't believe in... in, a specific angel. I believe that all these energies are angelic and I believe that they're here for me and they're here for you and we can join them all together. And you and I are having our own little party right here. But I think that there's billions of energies in the room with us having a party with us. This was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> My little story is that I have an East Coast mom who's a Jew, so she was raised in New York City, and then I have a father who is from this little tiny town in Nebraska, and they met, and we were raised in the middle of the country, so I feel like the whole life has been these polarities, all trying to come together. The youngest of six kids, three boys and three girls, and there was a lot of sexism and all sorts of garbage in our house. My brothers are all really super successful. And my two sisters, one of them is really successful. And then the youngest two children, my sister and I are the ones that are all about energy. We're both really spiritual. So it's really important to us that when we finally do part ways and go and find the next leg of the journey, that we're not demonizing each other. I think it's been a good story so far. And on that note, yeah,
2: thanks for getting to know me a little bit. Thanks for having me. My really pleasure. fun. That yeah, was super fun. Much love to you, Melissa, and
1: much love to you as well, Mark. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, Rich. Hey, Mark. What's happening, baby? Got the phone working.
2: Yeah, we're all up and running now. It could get cut short and ugly because Val just gave the dog a bath and he's running around the house. Great. Well, that's okay, because I don't have much time today, because I'm getting ready to go to Ireland. You're going to Ireland? What are you doing there? Shows with these, the Zemed Brothers. Uh, Eleven shows in Ireland, three shows in France. That's fantastic! And you leave when, tomorrow? Tomorrow morning, yeah. So i got a lot of stuff to do right now, packing, getting last minute stuff done. Yeah. You have a vegan shaman show going on? I've posted three episodes, and we're going to shoot episode four pretty soon, probably over in Europe. Cool. And how's that all going? It's a lot of fun. So who was on your last show? My friend Bert. He's a guitar player in LA. He's a wonderful musician. Bert Bondi? <laughs> Bert Belky Burt Belky Yeah. I watched the show. He's super talented. I actually really enjoyed the song. He's an amazing guitar player. Yeah, he's got a pretty good voice too. Did he write that song? He did. It's a beautiful song. So that's show number three? Show number three. OK. And what did you make? Breakfast Scramble with tofu. Yeah, I gotta tell you, man, your cooking instruction and showing me stuff and the whole vegan lifestyle has pretty much changed my life and the lives of my other family members here in the house. Well, that's what I like to hear. The favorite cooking tool here is the cast iron skillet. You cut up some potatoes and some tofu and some onions and some stuff and you throw it in the thing for a half hour and you've got kind of the best meal you could possibly get. Yeah, nutritious and healthy and... Yeah, but it tastes good. I mean, healthy and nutritious is is nice and good for everybody, but if it doesn't taste good, it's not a lasting solution. But if it tastes good, then you can convince people that this might be the way to go. So much so that I got on your Patreon site the other day, and I took a picture of the recipe for your vegan pesto, and my daughter Zoe and I, who turned 18 yesterday, by the way went to uh, a shopping cart and got all the ingredients and it's freaking fabulous, man. It's just a delicious thing. Just a little while ago, I made myself one of those Beyond Burgers for lunch. I put the pesto on it with some veganaise and some greens and uh, some sriracha and it was ridiculous. It's unbelievable how well one can eat while not mutilating the rest of the animal kingdom. That's right, and it's very nutrient dense as well. Uh, no doubt, the whole pea protein thing. I've even got my dog eating what I introduced to my family to which I never liked before, that I like now only because of you, which is sweet potatoes. I made them the other night for Zoe and myself with the uh, vegan pesto. We're sold, dude. Even the dog is eating sweet potatoes. Dogs love sweet potatoes. Unbelievable. My dog is now eating avocado after watching your dog, Jake, eat avocado. I was inspired to start feeding my dog some healthy, nutritious, whole natural foods instead of all the garbage. And it's pretty fantastic to have this kind of a, a healthy option, not only for your family members, but for your pets too. Absolutely. I totally 100% agree. And you'll see the difference after a while. My dog, you know, his favorite food is avocados and sweet potatoes and his, his coat's very shiny. Well, he's a happy boy. He's always very happy he's a very little boy. Happy guy. You are what you eat. Yeah, you are what you eat. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to check in with you. You got the show, the Vegan shaman going on. You're off to Europe for 5 weeks. And then you're going to come back with uh, all new stuff and things going on. You're going to do show number four in Europe. Do you know where that's going to take place or anything? We'll probably shoot it in Ireland somewhere on a day off. Well, I love the show. I think you're doing a great job. And uh, because of your show, I too am one who is doing cooking in ways that I never thought I would be doing it. And at least making my daughter, who's totally down with the healthy eating, she's into it, man. So I I totally appreciate that. Well, i love to hear that. That makes me uh, want to keep cooking. Well, you are the vegan shaman, so clearly whatever it is you're doing is at the very least having an effect on me, and if you're just making the show for me, so be it. Is Mitch still staying with you? Is he still there? He's going to be uh, watching the little monsters while I'm gone. So he's, yeah, he's here. He's going to be hanging with the Jakes, the two Jakes? He is, and they're going to have him eating out of the palm of their paws. Well, I'll check in with uh, Mitch while you're gone and maybe go over okay. there and have some meals. Maybe the four of us can sit down, me and Mitch and Jake and Jake and, uh, and make some vegan stuff over there. I think you should definitely do that. Well, I hope you have a fantastic trip in Europe, and I'm sure we'll uh, chat a bit here and there while you're over there. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. All right, Rich. Take care, buddy. Peace. That's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Gary Lundgren for coming on. It's great chatting with him. I want to thank Melissa Scudder for coming on. Super nice lady. Enjoyed our conversation. I want to thank Zoe for spending a little time with me. I want to thank Rich for coming on and uh, checking in before his five-week trip to Europe with the Zemed brothers and the Everly brothers experience. I want to say happy belated birthday to Gary, whose birthday was October 30th. I want to say happy birthday to Zoe, whose 18th birthday was Wednesday, November 7th. And I want to say happy birthday today to Val, the mother of my children, a very nice lady who I'm fortunate enough to know and continue to have a sweet, loving relationship with. Very cool. I want to thank you for listening to the show. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate your listenership. Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg is a listener-supported presentation. Thank you so much for your support, whatever that may be, in whatever form that may come in. Next week, show number 60. Check us out at aaronsberg.com. That's A-R-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com. On CastBox, on Stitcher, and on iTunes. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye. To find out more about Gary Lundgren and all the projects he's been working on past and present, Check him out on his website at jomafilms.com. That's J O M A F I L M S.com.
0: Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val.
1: Whatever you're doing is not working there's only one way you can change that and that's to change what you do 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 change
0: what you do I am citizen 44
2: shortly after moving back in with my family I discovered two distinct things one I am easily annoyed by the following sounds made by the family dog buddy eating whining Licking, biting, breathing. And conversely, Shell, the family cat of 15 years, regularly calls out to my daughter Zoe by name. No, 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 no. Prince where's
1: Dor- the Ba da ba
0: da ba ba, Little mom.